Business 1440 KYCR Golden Valley, a service of Salem Media Group, streaming worldwide at TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. An FBI official is out of work. More from Washington correspondent Mike Grazia. Attorney General Jeff Sessions has announced he has fired former FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe just two days before McCabe was scheduled to retire. The dismissal was not a surprise and was made on the recommendation of FBI disciplinary officials. An Inspector General report is due out soon that concludes McCabe misled the watchdog office during its review of the FBI's handling of the Hillary Clinton email investigation. McCabe, a veteran of more than 20 years in the FBI, had been a frequent target of criticism from President Donald Trump. Mike Gracia, Washington. White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders, meanwhile, says it's the president's prerogative to make changes on his own staff if he wants to. There have been rumors the president plans a major shakeup, but Sanders says it simply is not true. This is SRN News. Have you experienced anxiety, fear, shame, and embarrassment from owing back taxes? Hi, I'm Kathy Hill, founder of Tax Tiger. If you happen to have unpaid or unfiled taxes, I'm here to offer you some hope. Tax Tiger can protect you from the IRS, release wage and bank levies, and negotiate awesome settlements. Above all, Tax Tiger is a company which operates based on Christian principles. If you have an IRS problem, call us today at 612-888-9522 for a free consultation. You can trust Tax Tiger to provide an honest evaluation of your situation. If we can save you money, we'll explain how and answer all of your questions so you'll know exactly where you stand. Call Tax Tiger today at 612-888-9522. You could be closer to financial freedom than you think, and you need a tiger on your side. That number again is 612-888-9522 or visit us online at TaxTiger.com. Did your financial advisor lose 30% or more of your life savings during the last market crash? Are you afraid it could happen again? I'm Pastor David Mitchell, founder of Tradeway. Tradeway specializes in teaching you how to cut out the middleman and take control of your money. At our first event, Step 1, Start Your Journey, you'll learn how business principles from the Bible, combined with our powerful skill sets for stock trading, can give you the ability to make informed financial decisions for your family. Having control can give you peace of mind even in an uncertain market because nobody cares as much about your hard-earned money as you do. Tradeway, you'll learn to reach your biggest goals by taking small steps. Coming to the Sheraton St. Paul Woodbury, April 13th and 14th. Only $99.95 for your entire household, plus a free ticket for a friend and a full money-back guarantee. To register, call 877-907-TRADE. That's 877-907-8723. Or go to Tradeway.com. That's Tradeway.com. It's the King Banyan Show on Business 1440. Music by George Clinton and George Beverly Shea. Right now, I gotta take care of some business. Welcome back, King Banyan Show. Business 1440. Fabulous. Oh, we have horns, too. Yep. Go find that. Go find that on Spotify. We'll tweet you the playlist after the show's over. 
Um, that's going to keep you bouncing around this afternoon while you figure out how you might still win your bracket, even though Virginia is gone. With us, uh, Vern McKinley, um, who is a independent scholar, um, former, uh, is it fair to say recovering bank regulator, Vern? Well, I still got my hands in the industry. I do a lot of advising in uh, uh, emerging markets and such, so I I still do that work, yeah. and I have pretty consistently throughout my career. Right, right, right. So not, but not. You haven't done work in the United States for a while. I mean, in U.S. regulation. Right, not since. The or are, you, are you advising here? Okay, great. So, um, so you've been out for, but you've been doing a heck of a lot of research on this. I just tweeted uh, the the link to your forthcoming book on Citibank that's that's like 200 years of history that you researched that's a that's pretty darn good well and it took us about four years to to make it through that we've been working on it since 2014 so um, yeah. I mean they they uh, started back when the first bank of the United States which was a pseudo central bank um, was closed up mm-hmm. in uh, uh, in the early uh, 1800s, and uh, they so they started business in the vacuum that ensued after the New York branch of the First Bank of the United States closed, and they actually moved into those facilities of the uh, uh, that first central bank, the uh, Bank of the United, the First Bank of the United States. So, and then we so the First Bank the of the U.S. was in New York. Right? Well, it, it was, was in New York in Philadelphia, and it had oh. branches. It had branches in, and I, one uh, next to Philadelphia, the New York branch was the biggest branch, and essentially, what was City? It was called uh, Citibank, C-I-T-Y. Then uh, was chartered in 1812, and they bought the building that used to be the branch, the New York branch of the First Bank of the United States. Okay, okay. Oh, that's just interesting. Uh, I, I am, um, I am a. Uh... I, I, very interest, I was very interested in that. I look forward to the book due out in August. Uh, I remember we had some conversations about it during your research stage. And, you know, it's so hard to get a book to the finish line, uh, particularly books that do long histories like that, because it's always hard to know when to end. So glad you could finish it. Hey, Vern, uh, Vern McKinley is here to talk about uh, this is the 10th. This is I, I think of it as the 10th anniversary of the start. Oh, the financial crisis of two thousand eight, which is which was the um, collapse of Bear Stearns and the and the emergency uh, purchase of the company by um, by uh, uh, by uh, J P Morgan, uh, which actually happened on this day. Uh, Vern, first of all, describe sort of the way in which Bear Stearns ended up getting into trouble. Um, I'm familiar with the story, but maybe some of our listeners aren't. Well, they were heavy into the mortgage market like all the other institutions that failed. And so about early in March 2008, the SEC, they went in there and um, they did an on-site inspection of their liquidity. And they came out and said, hey, they're in pretty good shape. They got 18 to 20 billion in liquidity and they left. And then... um, not more than a few days later, on uh, March 10th, there were some uh, problems starting to build. There were a lot of rumors on the street. 
Um, the credit default swap spreads for Bear Stearns started to uh, widen, meaning that the perception was that they were risky, and uh, there was, um, you know, there were the the OCC, which uh, supervises uh, national banks, started calling around to their banks, and, and believe it or not, they didn't didn't. Um, they didn't hide what they were asking. They just came out and said, what's your exposure to Bear Stearns? So that kind of snowballed. And uh, by the end of the week, um, the government was looking to do a bailout, and uh, the, the deal was inked in, uh, in principle that Friday, March 14th. And um, one of my favorite quotations was the desperation of um, Secretary Paulson, when he um, kind of justified why he had to do it. And he said, I'm prepared to do anything. If there's any chance of avoiding this failure, we need to take it. So um, a little bit of uh, chicken little language there about, um, you know, how desperate the situation was, which I think was really wildly overstated. Right. So so Bear got in trouble in, in no small part because of, the, of, of, of they had – they had purchased not you know they didn't actually hold actual mortgages so so it's not the it's a wonderful life thing where 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 the banks actually hold in the mortgage for you know mr mr smith's house down the street they're actually holding bonds that are backed by these mortgage payments and but but it's even worse than that because they're holding a lot of these these derivative securities that are tied to mortgages but are actually don't have an actual mortgage payment that stands stands behind the uh, the stream of income that the bond's supposed to create. Um, so, so as I as I and they finance that all, Vern with with like overnight loans, right? Um, right on the funding side, it was very short term, meaning that if there was a rumor or if there was uh, some questions. That mean that would have meant creditors would run or just pull out their funding, and that's where that eighteen to twenty billion that they had the first of March shrunk basically down to zero by uh, mid March. So that was uh, so it was bad on the asset side because of their investments weren't very liquid, and then on the liquidity side where they got their funding, um, everybody was scared and started to to pull back on uh, their willingness to fund uh, Bear Stearns. So let's turn. Let's turn to. Uh, I mean, because the part that the part that I think is interesting to all of us it, 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 there's two parts of this. First of all, at what point does the Fed show up and uh, offer to give them um, an emergency loan? Because typically, am I? If, 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 I think I'm right about this. Typically, the uh, a company like Bear Stearns, not a commercial bank, doesn't have access to the Fed window, right? Right. Um, typically, the commercial banks were the only ones that had access to the uh, discount window, which that dates back to the, uh, you know, the um, the uh, initiation of the Fed in, in, in 19, uh, right. 1913, the passage of the law in 1914, where they they started um, operations. But there's, uh, you know typical uh, situation where you got government lawyers looking for loopholes or buried uh, provisions in law. There was a um, provision in law that basically allowed them to lend to 
uh, outside institutions outside the commercial uh, banking industry, Section 13 of the Federal Reserve Act. So they took advantage of that and. There was a it's kind of a tri-party agreement with the New York Fed and um, uh, Bear Stearns and um, J.P. Morgan. J.P. Morgan was essentially the institution that came in. And the deal was structured such that, um, uh, you know, the, the the Fed was on the hook for much of this 30 billion that was uh, extended at that time. And. I mean, by by all definitions, that's it's a bailout of uh, of the institution. Normally, if you have an institution that's going to fail, it goes into some form of receivership or liquidation. Or that in the case of Bear Stearns, would have gone through the courts, but right. um, that was avoided because of the bailout. So they take they they basically create this vehicle, this way of taking. Um, I think it was just about 30, just a little under thirty billion dollars of Bears assets, and I, if I remember right, this is the Maiden Lane transaction. Um, that, that Right. So that happens. So, and I do. I I haven't looked this up. I'll look it up at the break. But uh, as I recall, the Maiden Lane assets are still on the books of the Federal Reserve. Am I right about that? They never sold. I those. haven't. I haven't checked the balance sheet recently. In the early years. They were. Um, it, it looked like they were going to take a hit on those assets, but as the market turned and over the years, and uh, they um, they didn't lose any any funds right. on it. And there may be some lingering assets. I haven't checked the yeah. the the balance sheet recently. Whether the um, the claim on those assets is still reflected on the balance sheet. I, I looked at those issues back in 2008, 2009, 2010, but I haven't looked at them in recent years. Okay. Um, and then, so that was part one. Part one was you have these assets that we don't think are going to be worth worth anything, so we're going to move those We're, we're going to move those off and, and basically let the Fed take that. And then the second half is, is they arrange for a purchase of uh, Bear by... Um, they arranged for the purchase of Bear by um, uh, uh, by uh, J.P. Morgan, and they arrive at a price of two dollars a share, right? So, how do they arrive at that price, and how do they arrive at that price, and and how do they arrange this transaction? Because that's something that you've looked at, I think, pretty much over the last ten years. You've done research on on long term capital management on Bear and and on many others, I believe. Well, it was all seat of the pants. I mean, uh, that that's just how all of this worked from March um, of 2008 through September, October, when uh, things got really bleak. Um, there was, I mean, Secretary Paulson describes it in his book, and he, he admits that it was just a number. I mean, two sounds like, oh, you, you were really tough on them. You got them down to two, and then they decided to bump it up to $10 a share. Um, because they were concerned about maybe some knock-on effects in the market, but so that was the shareholders. But the um, the creditors, I mean, the shareholders make investments in in Bear Stearns, and then the creditors loan money and expect it to come back, and are at a higher priority level when um, you have a liquidation or any other asset sales. Um, those creditors were made whole; they they never lost anything, but the the shareholders in Bear did take a, a pretty good bath. I mean, the 
the share price I, I think was over a hundred at one time and then it dropped down right. to two as proposed and then it was uh, finally they rested it at ten dollars a share right although I, and I remember this specifically Russ Roberts uh, the uh, host of econ talk points out you know they lost a ton of money all, all of these all of the top management you know who held lots of shares that went from a hundred bucks to a share to ten bucks a share but you know their net worth may Welcome have gone from like, yeah, it's they went from like so someone's net worth. Uh, I, I'm I'm thinking of Schwartz in particular had his net worth went from something like 1.2 billion dollars to about 400 million dollars, and it sounds oh he lost 800 million dollars. Gosh, he's still got 400 million dollars. <laughs> he's not, he, he, you know, he's he you know he's not in a soup line anywhere. Yeah, I'm not going to shed too many tears for those uh, executives. And then another kind of narrative um, that I'm not going to shed too many tears about is uh, Jamie Dimon has been on. I mean, it's been for a number of years. He's been complaining that he would never do that again. He's the uh, chief executive officer for uh, J.P. Morgan, which bought Bear Stearns, because there was a there were a lot of litigation costs that ended up. Yep. Uh, Eating into any benefit that um, that uh, J.P. Morgan would have, and he said, "Oh, I'd never do it again. I didn't expect all these litigation costs." But I mean, that's that's just basic uh, merger or uh, acquisition type of uh, analysis. You look at a you do due diligence on an institution. You look at the assets. You look at the liabilities, and you make a call. And uh, you know. And then I'm also kind of skeptical that they talk about the litigation costs being so high, but I mean, they've derived a lot of benefits from having those Bear Stearns assets. They bought it on the cheap at, um, at a time where they were at ultimate advantage. And, uh, you know, they've, they've made a lot of money on those assets over the years. So, I mean, if you and I were to sit down and, and crunch the numbers, we might come up with a different conclusion. He, uh, J, Jamie Dimon says, oh, you know, we took a bath. I would never do it again, but I'd like to take a look at the actual underlying numbers to see what the ins and outs of the, of the funding uh, really say. Right. Okay, so we need to take, we need to take a little time for, uh, for a commercial break here when we come back. I'm going to ask the question. Uh, I'm going to ask a question of, uh, of Vern McKinley, uh, our expert on, uh, on the financial bailouts in, uh, in 2008. Um, you know, is can it happen again? Will there be another big firm that happens? We passed some. We passed some, uh, uh, or at least in the Senate, we passed a bill this week that's going to relax a lot of the Dodd Frank legislation. Although it's supposed to not relax it for the big banks, is it? Should we be concerned that this is going to happen sometime again soon? We'll talk. We'll get the answer. Here's the answer to that right after this. You're listening to the King Banyan Show on Business 1440. <laughs> So you've been exploring solutions for your hair loss. You've seen ads from the national chains. You've researched the alternative products that cost a fortune, but there seem to be no guarantees. So here's good news for you. This is Dennis Prager. 
Go to INeedMoreHair.com and see what their hair transplant specialists are doing for men and women like you. The consultations are free. Their doctors have given patients in Hollywood and worldwide a full head of hair. They can do the same for you. You'll see a more confident reflection of yourself. In fact, they guarantee your results in writing, and their prices are some of the best in the business, as low as $3 per graft. So stop searching and go to INeedMoreHair.com. You have nothing to lose. Call their office in Egan for your free consultation. I need morehair.com. Experience you can trust, prices you can afford. Get the permanent solution to your hair loss at I need morehair.com. Would you like to protect your nest egg? At Online Trading Academy, we teach the skills to grow and protect your investments. Learn this rules-based strategy with our best-in-class instructors teaching you how to get your arms around your money so you can retire with no worries. Learn the skills to profit from the markets going up or down by joining us for a comprehensive free workshop by calling pound 250 on your cell phone. Use the keyword OTA. Again, that's pound 250, keyword OTA. This is Hugh Hewitt of townhall.com. On my first show for MSNBC last June, I sat down with CIA Director Mike Pompeo, now President Trump's nominee for Secretary of State. A quick read of that transcript will reassure any fair-minded person that a much-needed infusion of talent is on the way. First in his class at West Point, and an editor of the Harvard Law Review, Mike Pompeo got key experience in the ways of the Washington Swamp at the law firm of Williams & Connolly before going as far as possible to Wichita to launch a successful business career and then on to Congress. Most importantly, Pompeo agrees with Trump's priorities and understands that his job is to serve the Trump agenda, not create one of his own. Like George Shultz with President Reagan and Henry Kissinger with President Nixon, the boss needs a trusted right arm, not a distant figure of uncertain commitment to core presidential goals. Good news, Pompeo at State. I'm Hugh Hewitt. The Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy, America's unique graduate leadership degree, offered on its most beautiful campus. If you could cook up the world's greatest radio station, what ingredients would you need? We'd start by mixing in high-quality, free-range wellness experts. Then we'd add in a generous scoop of the topics that matter most to you. Finally, we'd stir in a certified organic website full of helpful resources and garnish with a specialized mobile app. No, it's not some half-baked idea. It's on the air right now. Wellness Radio 1570, online at TwinCitiesWellnessRadio.com. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, Business 1440. Visiting with uh, Vern McKinley, um, whose new, whose forthcoming book, Borrowed Time, Two Centuries of Booms, Busts, and Bailouts at uh, City at Citibank, uh, um, out in August. It's going to be. It, it, I, I'm looking forward to it. I I like reading ba- uh, bank histories. Um, because bank, I think banks are really important. And we're talking about the history of Bear Stearns with Vern, and 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 it's it's in collapse. And I think we should turn from sort of the mechanics of what happened at that time to you know go forward a couple years and Congress uh, Congress at that time completely uh, completely uh, uh, with uh, Democrat majorities in both in both uh, houses of Congress and with President Obama passed Dodd Frank. This week, uh, some of Dodd Frank, which is supposed, which is 
said to have caused real concerns in, among community banks, among smaller banks who were caught in it. Um, Senate passed a bill, bipartisan passage of a bill, to relax a lot of Dodd Frank as it applies to smaller businesses, but st- smaller banks, community banks, but to still um, somehow keep control of big of, of the big banks, right? Is it fair to say, Vern, that Dodd Frank in part was uh, was uh, the the answer to the bailout of Bear Stearns? That it, that it was the Congress's and and President Obama's way of saying, "Don't do that again." Well, this is a, a constant cycle we see every um, every time um, throughout history. If I can seg into the city history a little bit, mm-hmm. um, city had um, instability in the early twenties. The Fed propped them up in the early thirties. They um, got a Reconstruction Finance Corporation loan, which was another form of bailout. In the early eighties, they got in trouble with the. Uh, third world debt and uh, uh, ended up through forbearance um, making it through that period. In the early 90s, they had real estate that was on their books that gave them problems. And again, there was forbearance. And then 2007, they had uh, 2007 to 2009, they had problems again and uh, multiple bailouts in late 2008 and uh, early 2009. So it's just this history of... uh, you know, they take on a lot of risk and uh, a lot of growth, a lot of profits during good times. Then they falter. The um, The regulator is in denial for a while. And then they uh, ultimately get a bailout. And then there's retrenchment. And they, they kind of take it easy for a few years or a few decades. And then it all starts all over again. So I'm very skeptical of any silver bullet, whether it be legislation like Dodd-Frank. I mean, we had legislation in the early 90s after the crash in the 80s and early 90s. Um, It was called the uh, FDIC Improvement Act. And there was this silver bullet at that time that said, oh, we're going to do this thing called prompt corrective action. We're going to uh, monitor these institutions, and uh, we're going to watch them closely, and we're not going to let them fail. We're going to catch it early, uh, fix them up before they have a chance to fail. And, of course, that all completely fell apart um, during uh, 2008 and 2009. So I'm very skeptical of any arguments that um, things are fixed. Um, and I think Dodd-Frank's just another case. And it's really going to depend on who is the, or who, who the decision makers are when we have the next crisis, whether it's people who understand the history and know that this is just a repeating his, of history or people who are kind of oblivious to the history, uh, people like uh, Secretary Geithner, Secretary Paulson, Chairman Bernanke, because they really, I don't think, had an appreciation for examples like City, where this, this just happens time and again. They kept saying that, oh, this is unprecedented. We don't have a playbook for this. But in reality, it, 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 we've had a 100-year history of it, of uh, the yeah. bailout cycle. Yeah, well, I mean, so I'm going to read a, a, a short paragraph from John Cochran, uh, professor at the uh, University of Chicago, uh, talking about this issue. And, and, and I, I love this because he basically doesn't believe that there really is something called orderly liquidation, which is what, you, which, which is what I think you and I would have liked to have seen, or some kind of a speedy bankruptcy 
um, that could happen in the bear in in Bear's case, and later on, try to do it with Layman. Okay, and he writes this, and I think that I like your comment to this. Quote: The best of all worlds is one in which nobody expects a bailout. It comes once to stop a, a bank run, and then we put the moral hazard genie back in the bottle. The worst of all worlds is one in which everyone expects a bailout, and then either by legal restriction or decision, it does not come. Nobody has fire extinguishers anymore, and the firehouse is burned down. Uh, don't Is Lehman an example of the worst of all worlds? Did they try to... Did they try to not bail out uh, because by a decision and then realize after AIG, uh, we're just not going to make this work? Well, I think Bear Stearns, um, there's a reason some people call it the original sin, because when the bailout happened and the intervention happened with Bear Stearns, it embedded a lot of expectations that um, any institution as big as Bear Stearns or bigger would would get a similar bailout. So Lehman went from March to September uh, limping along and still taking the same amount of risk, whereas if, if Bear Stearns would have been allowed to fail, go through bankruptcy and such, uh, that would have been a, a signal to Lehman that, yeah, hey, we, uh, we, we, we need to get ourselves in order. Um, you know, we need to fix things instead of uh, just riding it out, um, you know, party like it's 1999 type of attitude where they just keep keep going along at the same pace and not making a lot of big changes to their balance sheet. And, and if I can go back to the city example, I mean, what we found, uh, James and I, in our, in our research was that the greatest instability happened at City when there was a central bank in the U.S. They had a lot of instability in the early 1800s when there was the first and second bank of the United States. They were very stable from the 1830s up until about 1914. And then when you created a central bank, and, and since that time, in, in uh, you know, 1913, 1914, when the legislation was passed and they started to operate, since that time, they've had enormous amounts of instability as the safety net grew. You know, you had the safety net of the the Fed uh, lending in 1914. You had, in the 30s, you had deposit insurance. So as the safety net grew, um, you know, the, the, the we just saw every 15 or 20 years cases where they were on the verge of failure and the, and the government... Uh, backstopped and so rather than being a stabilizing force you could uh, argue that uh, since we've had us had the fed in place that um, at least in the case of uh, city you went from having an institution that was very stable from the 1830s to 1914 it was the warren buffett of institutions that been would during a, a crisis during the you know if there was a, a panic or a crisis in the Gilded Age in the late 1800s, they were the ones that came along and bought everything just like J.P. Morgan did at rock-bottom prices, and then they grew to being the biggest bank in the country on that basis. And so, you know, they, they were one of the strongest banks in the U.S., and then they flipped, uh, you know, once the Fed uh, was created into being this uh, ward of the state that every 15 or 20 years needs, uh, needs another fill-up from the government. 
Well, I, I mean, to me, it's still a case, and this is this is the point that Cochran makes that 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 I've come to realize is true. The biggest issue with Bayer and and I think with Lehman as well is is just the, the it's what we teach in the first money and banking course. You have this you have this asset liability mismatch in terms of the of the duration of the two, of the asset and the liability, right? They each fund themselves, you know, eventually with overnight loans, even let alone deposits and. Um, and 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 so of course they 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 went down and a bailout shows up every time as you say. Well, if you can't fix the temptation to bailout, then maybe what you fix is the ability to rely on short-term debt to make their to to in order to fund fund their investments. Do you happen? I mean, do you recall? You probably do from from your research on City during that latter half of the 1800s. Did Citibank? I mean, what? How leveraged was the bank at that time relative to what happens after 1914? Oh, it was highly capitalized, very high capital in the range of uh, 15 to to 20 percent. There was a doctrine they had in place at that time. It was called ready money, where on the asset side, very conservative assets, and on uh, that they held, and then the funding side, it was uh, very uh, stable deposits. Whether it was the the uh, directors of the banks had their own of, of, of Citibank then and National Citibank after the 1860s when they became a national bank, um, you know they it was very stable funding. So it, it's the opposite of what we have since the creation of the Federal Reserve because you know you went from very very conservative assets uh, and uh, very uh, stable. Uh, funding, and then you migrated or morphed into this situation where they have highly risky assets and very unstable uh, funding sources uh, post uh, 19, uh, 1914 uh, when the uh, you know the reserve bank started uh, to be created and in, uh, in operation. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's the answer because uh, I I believe I believe on that March first inspection that you talked about at the beginning of our of the previous episode about Bear, I think their leverage ratio was forty three, and they were told they were okay, <laughs> right? And and here you're describing in the in, in the latter half of the nineteenth century, City's leverage ratio was probably five or six, right? And 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 it's not doesn't take too much. You don't need a a long course in finance to realize. The bank that's leveraged at forty three, you know, has forty three dollars of assets and only one year of to one dollar forty three dollars of assets and one dollar of equity, is probably a riskier place than a place that's got five dollars of assets to one dollar of liquid of, of uh, equity. Um, you know, we're going to have to approach failure in the eighteen hundreds. They would have been on the hook. The investors would have been on the hook, and there was double right. liability in those days. So there was a huge incentive for them to not take these big risks not um, have highly volatile funding, and that, again, that flipped once we had uh, this whole safety net of uh, support from the government. Right. Hey, we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, thank, we're a little past time, but uh, I wanted to get that last piece in. Vern McKinley, whose new book, uh, Borrowed Time, Two Centuries of Boom, Bust, and Bailout at City, uh, coming out in August. Uh, He's our go-to guy when we want to talk about bank regulation and in the history of financial crises. Vern, thank you so much for your time today. Have a great, great rest of your your day and weekend. All right, happy St. Patrick's Day. Hey, happy St. Patrick's Day. We'll be back after this. You're listening to the King Banyan Show on Business 1440.
it was 1990, you'd be listening to your favorite radio station on that bulky boombox that burns through D batteries faster than you can say you've got mail. Well, thankfully, it's the 21st century, and there are much better alternatives. For example, just ask Alexa to tune in. Alexa, play Business Radio 1440. Throw out that old beeper and get with the times. Listen to your favorite Business 1440 hosts and shows with Alexa and Amazon Echo. Message and data rates may apply. We think the world deserves a better night's sleep. That's why we're delivering a better night's sleep to the world with Nectar, a mattress that's more comfortable to sleep on with the perfect touch of bounce and soft, breathable layers to lift you like a dream. Then we made it even easier to love with a price that saves hundreds over the showroom mattresses, free delivery, and the only full-year guarantee. That's right. Enjoy it for a full 365 nights. If you're not 100% happy, refreshed, or downright giddy about how you wake up each morning, we'll come back and pick it up. No charge. No hassles. See why so many people love Nectar. Get our best deal, $125 off plus two free Nectar pillows. Text TRUE66 to 234234 or go to Nectarsleep.com. Text TRUE66 to 234234. That's T-R-U-E-66 to 234234. Sweet dreams delivered. I'm sure glad you're my sister, Addie. Yep, you're my best buddy. Mom says you were their little surprise. What would we do without you? Well, you'll probably get your own gum. Yeah, that's true, but you're worth it. Hello, my name is Carrie. I work with Pro-Life Across America, the billboard people. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives to abortion or needs post-abortion assistance or would like to support the life-saving work of Pro-Life Across America, please call 1-800-366-7773 or check us out online at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Pro-Life Across America, educational, non-political, and tax-deductible. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Pro-Life Across America, the Billboard people. There are those who dedicate themselves to a sense of honor, to a life of courage, and a commitment to something greater than themselves. They have always defended this nation and each other. They still do. The few. The proud. The Marines. Show Business fourteen forty. I always enjoy having Vern McKinley here. I Vern I met in a <laughs> this is funny actually Vern I met in a cafe in front of the Marriott Hotel in Yerevan, Armenia. Um, uh, Vern Vern is uh, connected by marriage to uh, issues in Armenia, but as he mentioned, he's a He's someone that does a lot of advising on bank regulation in developing countries. Um, that's where that's where his uh, that's where his career took him. Um, uh, 
and I I think that's true. And I by the way I um I, I appreciate the uh, feedback I'm getting from uh, listeners on, on Twitter about about that episode. Uh, but Vern is Vern has been it, it's interesting because I did a lot of work in the in in the 1990s and early 2000s with folks who were doing this kind of work uh, in overseas. I was uh, for about uh, roughly a decade, maybe a little more than a decade, even included some time while I was uh, so doing my previous show down uh, down in uh, um, uh, doing my previous show with the Patriot. I did uh, I did some uh, some advising work, and uh, it was on one of those trips that I met Vern. Um, and I was because we were both working with the Central Bank of Armenia, but in different parts. I'm a monetary policy guy. He's a banking regulation guy. I'm an economist. He's a lawyer. Uh, but um, we just found that we had a lot of thoughts in common. We became friends through this, and uh, and I've really enjoyed uh, uh, talking to him through the years. So Vern McKinley, thanks so much for for being with us today uh, here on the show. I I really en- enjoy that part. And I really th- and I, and I want to go back to this point because I think I think this is the fundamental piece. I do not believe that I mean, the reason I I didn't like Dodd Frank. The fundamental reason I didn't like Dodd Frank was it creates additional uncertainty in the market about whether or not bailouts happen. There are folks in the marketplace, and this is kind of what Vern's research is showing as well. And it's I like the bits of his book that I I know something about. Um, um, I think would say would show that despite whatever things government have, has said, there's always this piece, this moral hazard, this, which I, I used the term without def- defining it last time. Moral hazard is it, it, I, I don't actually like using that that phrase. My my phrase is instead time inconsistency. Okay, and I always do the time inconsistency story like this. I'm taking my, I've, I've got small kids, let's suppose. All right, my, my two children are 10 years apart, so this never actually happened to me because children 10 years apart don't, you know, don't fight in the back seat of a car. But suppose I have two kids, I have two kids, and I'm taking them to some event that I really want to go to. So since it's King Banyan here talking on Business 1440, we'll say, we'll say, the Twins are playing the Red Sox. Those are my two favorite baseball teams. And I'm and I'm going to take my two small children to the game. And they're fighting in the back seat. They won't settle down. It's really distracting. I'm worried that they're going to distract me enough that I might have an accident. So I say to them, you two knock it off or else I'll turn this car around. I'm, I swear to God I will turn this car around. I promise I'm going to do that. Do you think my kids believe me? Well, if they're small and they don't understand that dad really loves the Twins and the Red Sox, they might settle down. But as they get a little older, if they're like eight and six years old, they say they look at me wearing my Red Sox cap and and, you know, with my uh, with my scorebook, because I like to I actually like to score baseball games when I'm at them. I enjoy that. It keeps me engaged in the game, and I can tell people what happened when they go away to a bathroom, and then I have to always make a friend, meet somebody, and say, can you score the game while I go use the bathroom? 
That's how I want to enjoy my, my baseball games, right? If my kids know that I'm that addicted to baseball, do you think when I tell them I'm going to turn this car around, they believe me? No. That's a time inconsistency problem. I tell you I'm going to take some action, I promise you, by passing a law or making a really bold statement that I'm going to, I'm, you know, bold statement that when the moment comes where I have to do this thing, which is painful to me to do, I will flinch and not do it. All right? So I can make this statement. If you, stop, if you don't stop messing around in the back seat, I'm going to turn this car around. Now, the way to solve that is pretty simple, right? Suppose, suppose mom comes along on the trip. I take the baseball tickets and I hand them to mom and I say in front of the children, if you guys don't knock it off, mom's not going to let us go to the game. Okay, mom, don't let us go to the game. Just keep the tickets in your pocket if the kids don't behave in the back seat. Now, the kids know mom doesn't particularly like baseball. She's just along this for a family day. And she would have no problem at all carrying out my threat. Now, now my threat has much more value to it. So when we pass laws or we have the Federal Reserve make st- or, or some other bank regulator make statements, we are not going to bail out another bank ever, ever, ever. They're like, the banks are like the two kids in the back seat. They don't believe you. Right? They don't believe you. So what has to happen? What has to happen is at some point, in, or if you don't have the advantage of having this mechanism of handing handing your your wife who doesn't like baseball the tickets to the tickets to the baseball game, if you don't have that kind of mechanism, the only other way you can actually make this work is to invest somehow in your reputation by letting a bank fail. When they expect that you're going to bail out, and you go, no, he tells you we're not going to bail you out, and we're not. Tough luck. Well, I really thought you would bail us out. No, sorry. That's not going to happen. And now all the calamity that happens, because you you invested poorly all this time, because you assumed you know, that you would get to privatize all the profits, but get to socialize the losses... Now it turns out the losses aren't going to be socialized. You're going to end up with 100% of the cost, and there's going to be pain. Not just for the bank that fails, but everyone who lent to the bank because they too thought that if that bank got in trouble, the government would come bail them out. And that's my short story for what happened with Lehman. There was remorse over bailing out Bear. And so, and if you listen to if you listen to Bernanke and to and to Paulson and to Tim Geithner, who at that time, by the way, was the president of the New York Fed and was intimately involved in both of those situations that before he became secretary treasury for President Obama. If you, all of them said, we, you know, we realized they, they're not idiots. They understand the moral hazard problem that they created with Bayer. And Paulson's honest to say he was willing to do it but he knew he he knew it was something that that he might regret that it was going to create these hazards. So he thought he could get away with letting Lehman fail, and he could he could put the genie back in the bottle. Didn't work. The genie didn't go back in the bottle because with Lehman went AIG, and all of a sudden you had 
you had you had you know you had the house burning down on Wall Street. We'll be back after this this final segment of the King Banyan Show on Business fourteen forty. Business 1440 is KYCR Golden Valley. Time is the one thing that we want more of. Without the donors, I wouldn't have my Audrey. They take care of our housing. They take care of our food. In addition to the best medical treatment that my daughter could ever have. So it allows me to focus on my daughter and getting her better. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Walgreens has good news for anyone managing diabetes. We've got your back. That's right. Walgreens pharmacists are here to consult with you in person and answer any questions you may have about new and existing medications. You can even get free advice from our trusted experts day and night at walgreens.com or the mobile app. Walgreens has all major brands of diabetes testing supplies like AccuCheck and Walgreens Metrics. That's not just good news, it's great news. Stop by and talk to your Walgreens pharmacist today. Walgreens, trusted since 1901. Hey folks, I'm David Mitchell, founder and CEO of Tradeway. Over a decade ago, I decided to start a company that could help families take control of their finances and more importantly, their time. We offer you a powerful education in how to trade in the stock market, providing you the skill sets you need to manage your financial manager and speak his language, or even cut out the middleman entirely and do it yourself. My mission was to put more money in the hands of good Christian people to impact this country and the rest of the world. Since that time, I've seen Tradeway grow from a small business started in a garage with my family to an education company which now employs more than 20 families and has educated nearly 20,000 people from all across the country. God has truly blessed this mission. It's been exciting to see the Tradeway family grow through the years. At this point, people attend our events not only to hear about the stock market, but to fellowship with other families and even to strengthen their walk with the Lord. The Tradeway community is unlike anything I've ever seen in my business career or even in my ministries. With Tradeway, you not only get a powerful system for trading as a business, but you get the kind of hands-on support, ongoing development, and personal community that is required to propel you forward in this journey, and we help you to do that one step at a time. I want to personally invite you to join us at our next event called Step 1, Start Your Journey, April 13th and 14th. The event will be hosted by David Huber Sr. and his son Dave Huber. These two guys are a powerful team with many years of trading experience, and they are exciting presenters as well. And Dave is my son-in-law who helped start the company. Join us and bring your family. Coming to the Sheraton St. Paul Woodbury, April 13th and 14th. Only $99.95 for your entire household, plus a free ticket for a friend and a full money-back guarantee. To register, call 877-907-TRADE. That's 877-907-8723. Or go to Tradeway.com. That's Tradeway.com. Welcome 
Welcome back, King Banyan Show. Business 1440. Um, you know what? I'll take advantage of that. Just got a tweet uh, here. Pound KBRS, how you tweet to us. Don just tweets me and says, wonders if I had a comment about Larry Kudlow, because I made a joke uh, about uh, about uh, this hour of the King Banyan Show. Thanks, thanks once more to Vern McKinley. If you didn't, yeah, my joke was, well, if you don't like that, go listen to go listen to Larry. Uh, and I said, oh, wait, right? Because Larry Kudlow is now going to be head of the National Economic Council, um, one of the chief economic advisors to uh, President Trump. Um, I'm a Larry Kudlow fan, by and large. Um, do I agree with everything? That doesn't mean I agree with everything he says, but I, I find him humorous. I find him gracious. I find him insightful. Um, he knows a lot of history. Uh I I think by and large, um, it, I, I think by and large, economic policy from the tr- from the Trump administration is better for having Larry Kudlow there um, than than not uh, than than random economists. I think he's certain uh, uh, he certainly brings um, a history and an understanding of the. I mean, the job isn't too big for him. My my I. I, I one of my concerns, besides the fact that uh, Peter Navarro is wrong on trade, is that, I mean, it's 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 sort of like me playing at the Masters. Yes, I understand the game of golf. I played golf most of my life, but you can't put me you can't put me on that course when it's when it's all suited up to go for a P, for the for a PGA major tournament and think somehow that I belong there, just because I have the same the same caddy in the white jumpsuit as everybody else. Cudlow belongs in the White House. He, the, job is, the job is not too big for him. So I think that's fine. And by the way, this means that his Saturday morning show, which competes with this show, come home, all you Cudlow listeners. Come home. <laughs> I'm here for you. And you know what you could do to sort of get a head start on that? You could come see us. You really, you could, okay? So Overtime uh, with with Hewitt and Gallagher is on April 29th. You can come see us there. We're going to be, it's Sunday, April 29th, uh, Marriott Southwest in Minnetonka. Um, there's a VIP dinner beforehand, and you could actually get one of the seats to sit with with me and with Mitch Berg, uh, my longtime partner uh, on the old Northern Alliance show, who's still doing it after all these years. And and by the way, say a quick say say a quick prayer for Mitch. He lost his dog this his dog of a long time this week, and and um, you know, all of us who have had pets and had them pass away, we've all been through that. So say 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 a nice word for Mitch today. Uh, and uh, and of course Brad Carlson, the closer, who comes on tomorrow uh, on AM twelve eighty from two to three in the afternoon. You want to get that, but you're going to get Hugh Hewitt. You're going to get Mike Gallagher, Ed Morrissey, our very good friend, and another uh, former Narner uh, is going to be uh, the MC. Uh, it's going to be a great time. You're going to be really smart when you show up on April thirtieth. But you can have dinner with us too. So go over to go over to TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com. You'll see the banner at the top. Uh, which is going to read overtime with Hewitt and Gallagher. Click on it. Go find yourself a ticket. That'll be that'll be great for you. I think that's going to be something really valuable. Um, really valuable. Really valuable. We're going to have a great time. If you've done one of these events, you know that you you're going to be around a lot of people who um, 
who are interested in the same topics you're interested in, you're going to have great conversations. And no better place to do that than around a dinner table. Um, so just go over once more to TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com. That's how you find that. Um, it'll be a, a pretty quiet week next week. Uh, we're going to be looking for we're going to be looking for uh, additional guests. I really do want to follow up on this because I do. Th- I, I think this. I think this partial repeal of Dodd Frank is a big deal. We've given you an hour on that today uh, with Vern, and I and, and I think I think it's important. But again, my my basic point is this: what we can't have happen is this belief that somehow somehow passing that bill means that there'll never be a bailout again, no matter what whatever you pass. You know, it's the noisy kids in the back seat of the car. Thank you so much for listening. John, thanks for the wonderful music. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you, regardless of whether or not you're Irish. And have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next week on The King Banyan Show on Business 1440. Want to change how you feel significantly? ReliefFactor.com will do that for you. Support for temporary relief of minor aches and pains. If you're out there exercising, you go a little bit too far as I did on Saturday, you definitely need Relief Factor on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Actually, I take it every day. As do tens of thousands of people. They know that they should have Omega, which is fish oil. Resveratrol, which you can get from drinking red wine, but you don't know how much. I carry and curcumin all together. Carefully calibrated, perfectly formulated. The combination of four natural supplements. That everyone agrees you ought to be taken every single day. This makes it easy to do in the amount that is appropriate for your body. The starter pack is nineteen ninety five. You try it for three weeks. Put everything else away that your doctor says you can put away. Don't not take what he tells you to take. And then see if you don't feel terrific. You'll feel much better. ReliefFactor.com works. Tens of thousands of people say so. Their testimonials are abundant and real and sincere. Go and watch them and get ReliefFactor.com. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Christian Faith Publishing helps thousands of authors just like you publish their books with a company dedicated to strong Christian values. To help you get started, we want to send you our free author submission kit. Christian Faith Publishing reviews every book submitted to us. And if your book is approved, we'll edit, design, copyright, protect, print, and distribute your book online and in bookstores everywhere. Imagine seeing your book in specialty Christian bookstores, Amazon, iTunes, Barnes & Noble, and many others. It could happen, and it all starts with one call to Christian Faith Publishing at 800-566-1012 for your free author submission kit. If you have a novel, children's book, poetry, biography, or any inspirational work you've written, we can help you get it published today. Shouldn't you work with a publisher who shares your Christian values of integrity and honesty? You can get your book published. So call for your free author submission kit right now. Call 800-566-1012. That's 800-566-1012. 800-566-1012. There is no better steward of your money than you. Helping you create wealth and income is our number one goal. Online Trading Academy teaches you trading and investing skills so you can protect and grow your investments to retire on your terms and never outlive your retirement savings. We teach you one-on-one how to grow your investments, even in a market that's at an all-time high. If your retirement is in a 401k or 403b, you can still learn the tools to improve their performance. Many students maintain their full-time jobs but still love learning to be more consistent while making a great second income from this market. We have been teaching successful trading techniques for 20 years. 
Once you get the education, you can trade on your own with confidence. Call OTA at pound 250 on your cell phone and register for a free trading and investing workshop or go to learnwithota.com. Online Trading Academy Radio.